service, we, were, we finally have gone back into the book of Romans, and tonight, starting the book of James. And the title for this sermon tonight, James 1, 1 through 12, I titled it, The Trials We Need. The Trials We Need. So let me give you some background real quick. James, this is not the James that is John's brother. There's pretty much uh, agreement that this is actually James, the half-brother of Jesus. And you might say, I didn't know Jesus had any siblings. Yes. Do not believe the false teaching that Mary did not have any other kids after Jesus. She was a virgin when she had Jesus, and that is important. Scripture says that, and we know that that is important because of the virgin birth. And why? Because of the nature of Jesus. His nature is different than ours. We have a sinful nature Jesus does not. Born of the virgin. Again, that's also to fulfill prophecy. But after that, she got married and she had other kids. And we see that James is his half-brother. Now, this may not surprise you, but it was, it's not like James immediately believed that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, if you look in John chapter 7, it talks about his brothers and sisters. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. Now, that we know that he didn't sin, but for those of you, again, who have siblings, if you were told that your sibling was the Messiah, you would probably be like, no way. Even if they were sinless, it's just hard to believe that. And throughout Jesus' ministry, it seems that James did not believe not until our lord was crucified on the cross for our sins his blood shed as a sacrifice and then after three days he rose for our justification and when you interact with the risen lord and the spirit of god speaks to you it changes everything and so james became actually very influential in the in the church you see him in the book of acts he seemed to be with with peter but in particular james seems to be the the main preaching and teaching pastor in the church in Jerusalem. And he even ends up dying as a martyr in either 62 or 69 AD. There's some debate there. He was thrown most likely off the top of a building, didn't die, and so people came and beat him with clubs. All for his Lord, who was actually his half-brother. But when you experience the Lord our God, when you experience Jesus, you go from doubter to a martyr by the work of his spirit in your life. So I want to work through the book of James over the next several weeks, maybe months. We'll have some other brothers preaching as well. But I feel like there is a need for wisdom in our time. We need wisdom. And James is considered the book of wisdom in the New Testament. Most people say Proverbs in the Old Testament, but James seems to be where wisdom is found mostly in the New Testament. So let's work through it together and see what wisdom God might have for us tonight. I'm going to read through the text, James chapter 1, 1 through 12, and then we're going to work through it verse by verse. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Which God has promised to those who love him. Let's work through it tonight. He starts off, of course, this is the information that we have about the author of this. James, uh, a servant. Another translation of that, again, as many of you know, would be bondservant or even slave. How about that for humility? About his half-brother, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This greeting here, he goes on to say, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Now, he's not only writing in particular to the Jewish people. No, this is, of course, to Christians, but the Christians have been spread out. So he writes to really the 12 tribes, which we would say is the nation of Israel. But we know from Paul's writings that not everyone who's who's from the, the bloodline of Israel is actually Israel. All who have faith like Abraham. This is a part of us. He's writing to believers, to the true Israel. And he could have went anywhere. He could have started anywhere with his letter. He says his greeting, and he could have started talking about anything. But he's going to talk about trials and suffering. You know why? How many of you have faced trials? (laughs) How many of you have faced suffering? How many of you have battled to believe the right things about God in the midst of trials and sufferings? How many of you have started to, at times, go, why, Lord, in doubt either his power or his goodness or his knowledge or something? James is aware of that. He knows that the believers who are spread out are struggling. And on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to them. And so, Christians, listen to James here as he speaks to you in your trials tonight. Listen to what he says. Count it a little bit of joy, my brothers and sisters. Y'all got a different translation, don't you? Count it all joy. James, how can you say that? What do you mean count it all? Can you imagine if you're up and you get this letter and you're suffering and they're killing Christians? 
And persecuting Christians, uh, James, the Lord's brother, he wrote us a letter. We're going to read it. Get out, get all the Christians together. All right, James, a servant. Oh, good, Lord Jesus Christ, 12 tribes. Oh, this is going to be good. James really knows his stuff. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet very trials of various kinds. What? What are you talking about, James? Count it all joy, my brothers. You're going to have to give us more, James, to why we can count it all joy. When we meet trials of various kinds. I like that he puts that in there because you can go, well, does my trial fit? Is it a various kind? <laughs> then it fits. But why would we count it all joy, James? Why would we do that? Verse 3. For you know. I love that. You know, brothers and sisters, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Real quick, real quick, tell me, when you hear the word steadfastness, what are some things that just some, some images that come into your mind when you hear steadfast or steadfastness? What comes to your mind? A statue. Yeah, just, yeah, good. What else? Immovable. Good. Strong. Don't give up. A boulder? Yeah, a big boulder. Yeah. A big giant rock. Yeah. What's that? Ooh, there's something that produces steadfastness. Boulders of faith. What is it? Ooh, it's the, the testing of my faith. The testing of my faith actually produces steadfastness. So I need various kinds of trials in my life to test my faith so that the Spirit will then use it to bring about a boulder of faith, steadfastness, where I will keep going and not give up. Ooh, well, maybe this is a good letter, James, because I am facing challenges and discouragement and all kinds of trials in my life. But this would mean that the Lord has a purpose in it. This would mean, as Romans 8 says, that this must mean that God is working everything out for my good. He's not caught by surprise what's going on. In fact, he's using it. Brothers and sisters, the first thing that I have for you is when you are facing trials, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to remember that this is how the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. That's truth. You know what the lie is? The lie is that, well, I don't, this is pointless. What I'm going through, there's no reason for this. It shouldn't be happening. And it's true that there's bad things out there. But you have to remember that your God is using it to create, to produce this steadfastness. Believe the truth that this is what strengthens your faith. Do you want a weak faith? I don't. Realize that part of it includes the testing of your faith. And then verse 4. Verse 4, and let the steadfastness, look at this, have its full effect. Let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you would like to say, oh, I'm in a season of my faith right now where it is perfect, complete, and lacking, in no lacking in nothing? 
<laughs> Whoa, hey. So does this mean if, if I'm steadfast that I'm never going to sin again? Mm, not so much. Not so much. But if you let the steadfastness, which again is the work of God's Spirit, coming close to God, your faith being tested, and really as your faith is being tested, what that is doing is pressing you into Christ more and more. And the Spirit is using the Word, the promises of Scripture. He's using your prayers. He's using you crying out when you don't even know what to say and you're crying out to God. He's using all of that to create this steadfastness. But don't cut it short. I think that's what he's saying here. Let it have its full effect. Let what's happening. Don't know. Well, I'm just going to block that out and I'm not going to deal with it. No, 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 no. When you face various trials and they're coming to test your faith, you take those things and you run to the foot of the cross. You run to Jesus with those things and you work through them. You don't try to cover them up. You don't try to deny that they exist. You don't try to go to some other thing like alcohol or drugs or some other experience to avoid them. No, you go to the cross and you cry out to your God about what is going on. And you say, Lord, these trials, I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm at the end of myself. But I see that your word is true and you are testing my faith. So Holy Spirit, take me another step because I can't go another step by myself. And you pray and you say, I can't even breathe. I am overwhelmed. But he will say to you, breathe one more time. One breath at a time. One step at a time. And don't doubt your God. And don't run away from the situation, but let this steadfastness have its full effect. And as it does, then in these situations, you will lack nothing. He will provide for you. He will get you through whatever you're going through. Sometimes there are situations, and some of you may not be able to imagine this, that we don't have control over. And things are happening all around you Maybe you're watching the television. You're just like, ah, it's out of control. We think, oh, man, I don't know what to do, God. And we start to worry about it. We start to to panic. Or, as we've been talking in our our household, we we went on a trip and we were visiting some colleges. And our oldest said to us, I don't know if I'm going to be ready for that. Some of you have had this conversation with your kids. I don't know if I'm going to be ready. In particular in this text, I don't know if I'm going to be ready for the trials that God's going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to understand or be ready when my spouse gets cancer or my kid has this or that or COVID or whatever's happening. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. Do you know that God's grace is sufficient for everything and anything that you're going through? But I promise you this, His grace is not sufficient for something that you make up that's in the future that you're not going through at that moment. There's no grace for that. If that thing becomes a reality, guess what? There's grace for it. But as you worry about what we say in our home, it's called borrowing trouble. Corey Tenboom, she talks about how her dad was a very wise man, was helping her, and she was very worried about if persecution and trials came, I don't know if I would stay faithful to Jesus. I don't know if I'd stay faithful. How many of you ever wondered when we read some of these things in the text and if things were to shift in our our culture? I don't know if I'm going to stay faithful. I'm scared that I won't stay faithful. I, I don't know about you, but I've wondered that. 
So as, as she was talking to her dad about this, you know what he said to her, and this is beautiful, you know what he said? He said, you know, sometimes you, you take a trip on the train. And you need a ticket for that, that train ride, don't you? She said, yeah, Dad, I do. Okay. When do I give you the ticket? Do I give you the ticket for the train ride two months before you're about to get on the train? No, Dad. Two weeks before you get on the train? Mm-mm. When do you get the, When do I give you the ticket? When I'm about to step onto the train. That's when you need the ticket, right? Most of you are like, I'd lose it if I got it two months before. That's when you need the ticket. God's grace is the same. That grace comes for you, Christian, when it's time to step onto the train. Same for those who are being persecuted that James is writing to. Same for us in here. Same for our brothers and sisters around. That's when his grace is sufficient. Does it make sense? Tracking? Okay, let's continue. It will be perfect and complete, and you will lack nothing because your God will give it to you at the time. But here's what verse 5 says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So if you say, I don't understand these things. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I'm not sure to how even let this steadfastness happen in my life. You know what you need to do? Ask God. Cry out and ask God. God, by your spirit, teach me. Give me wisdom. Your God, your dad, loves to give good gifts. You want wisdom? He will give you wisdom. All too often, we're trying to do it on our own, though. We're not asking. Or if we ask, we do what this says. Look. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. You ever seen that wave? It's easy. Just go out there. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all of his ways. Not because God isn't good, but you're not believing that God is good. You're not really trusting that he will give it to you. So you can ask, oh, God, give me wisdom in this situation, but if you really don't think he's going to do it, guess what? You ain't going to get it. I love that he puts that right there. Because this is me. I might know I need God's help, but for some reason, even though he has never done anything wrong to me and he always proves himself to be righteous and good and a helpful father, I still doubt. Why do I do that? Why do we doubt his ways when it proves true over and over again? Because of our flesh. It's because we don't walk in step with his spirit and we don't hold on to his promises. Sometimes we get away from community. And as we were talking about with the youth, we start listening to other voices out there instead of listening to truth. Instead of being with our brothers and sisters who will also speak truth. Instead of spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, I get out there and I start to listen to other voices and then I doubt. Even though he's always proven himself to be true. Just like we were singing before, he always holds me fast. He always holds you fast. So when you're praying, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it, but don't doubt. But instead, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. The, the one who is, is down, 
maybe down in life, a lot of difficult things happening. Instead, boast that you are exalted in the Lord. Boast about that. Boast about eternal things and things that are true, not life right around you. Don't get focused in on life all around you. Boast on your exaltation in the Lord. Verse 10, and the rich in his humiliation. It's easy if you're rich to just look at your money and say, hey, everything's great. But no. Boast in your humiliation. Why? Well, because that rich, richness isn't going to last. Look what it says. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. You, do you picture it? Do you picture the grass just withering away? Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Don't focus on that. You need wisdom to see it differently. To see things how they really are. It takes us to the last verse for tonight. Verse 12. Blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast. Remember that steadfast word we talked about before? Blessed are you if you remain steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the what? The crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Flip over, Josh read it earlier. Flip over to Revelation chapter 2. This is John writing to the seven churches in particular in modern day Turkey. But I think it applies to all believers and churches throughout. Listen to what they're going through. Listen to what they're going through. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, verse 1, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. There's a lot you know, going on in Revelation, but ultimately, he's saying, write to this church and tell them these things. Listen to what your God would say to you. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Sorry, wrong one. Let's go down to Smyrna. Sorry about that. Verse 8. That's the church at Ephesus. We're going to verse 8. And to the angel and the church at Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. You see the, the rich and the poor and the poor and the rich there. Right off the bat, he says to them, I know what you're going through. Christian, remember that God knows what you're going through. He knows your poverty, even though you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Oh, it's not a good thing to hear. But it is a good thing to hear. If we want our faith to be steadfast. We hear it and we go, oh, it's normal. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the what? The crown of life. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Same theme comes up. Back over to James, and we'll finish here. Why did I title the sermon, The Trials We Need? Brothers and sisters, things are going to get worse. They are. The Bible speaks about that. Do not be surprised, as we read, Eddie read, by Peter. Don't be surprised when fiery trials come. Don't be scared by them either. Your Lord is with you, and in fact, He is using it to strengthen your faith, that you will be steadfast. You will be a big rock. We need these trials to purify the church so people who are just kind of playing church and not serious will step away. Or they'll make a change and say, you know what? It's time to get serious. Our Lord is saying, count it all joy. So whatever you're facing right now, whether it's a marriage issue, whether it's persecution, whether things are getting worse, whatever you're going through, count it all joy. Because the sovereign Lord is using it to make you look more like Jesus. He's using it for His glory. If you're not sure what to do in the situation, Ask for wisdom. He will give it to you. And don't give up. Keep pushing to the end. Because there is a reward. Jesus in particular is your reward. But there is a crown that's yours. But you got to keep going. You can't stop. Amen? Amen.